Our controller, um, yes, it does run on hardware, but the interesting thing about it is we're taking that functionality away from dependency on hardware and making it run more on software. You're listening to the Design Engineering Podcast, where we explore topics important to Canada's mechanical engineers, product designers, and machine builders. I'm Mike McLeod, editor of Design Engineering Magazine, and in this episode, I interview Bosch Rexroth product manager Alan Tubbs. In addition to the company's electric drives and controls product portfolio, Alan also oversees Bosch's novel Control X Core machine controller. In part one of our two-part conversation, Alan takes a deep dive into this Linux-based platform's specs and capabilities, as well as its smartphone-like approach to automation. But before that, though, a word from this episode's sponsor, Masumi. Get connected with Masumi Electrical Components. You can discover hard-to-find, cost-effective, and high-quality Japanese and local electrical brands that are used across a wide variety of industries, including automotive, food and beverage, warehouse, packaging, and more. Discover everything you need for your machinery to gear up for Industry 4.0 by visiting masumi.info electrical. With that, let's jump into the interview. Hi, Alan. Thank you for joining me on the uh, Design Engineering Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I'm glad I could be here and talk to you today. If you could spend uh, just a little bit introducing yourself and and uh, and what it is you do at, at Bosch Rexroth. Sure. Uh, I'm a product manager for Bosch Rexroth, and I uh, manage the products for mainly our control software. So our new uh, product line is called Control X Automation. And uh, the control component of that, uh, which we'll be talking about today, is Control X Core, which really describes a new way uh, that we're handling uh, how machines control uh, other devices like drives and I/O and that sort of thing. I've been a product manager for probably uh, eight years. I'm based in Atlanta. Our main headquarters is actually in Chicago. So Control X Core is a piece of hardware, obviously, and um, I think I think the first thing that I I would want to know is, is, is this analogous to a PLC, uh, a PAC, an IPC? How would you characterize it? Are those, are those categories relevant anymore? I would say that uh, this is kind of a new device or a new way of thinking of device. So uh, just to, to mention some aspects of, of different devices that you just mentioned. So a PLC is usually like a, a real-time operating system that's running some proprietary software. Uh, you know, you write a program, you download to it, and it, it's a fairly closed system. Mm -hmm. um, whoever designed it, you know, it does whatever they designed it to do and, and not much else. And then the IPC is usually, uh, you know, a device that's running a more standard operating system. You might be running Windows or you might be running Linux. And then you're running some other uh, software that you have next to or on top of that operating system. Um, so it's a little bit more open in the fact that you're using an operating system that's more uh, popular, I would say, and, and not proprietary. Mm -hmm. um, and a, a PAC is more like, you know, a PLC that can do a little bit more, right? You, it's not just ladder logic, not just structure text, but it's, you know, maybe just a, like a, a supersized PLC, if you want to call it that. Sure. Um, our, our controller, um, yes, it does run on hardware, but... The interesting thing about it is we're taking that functionality away from dependency on hardware and making it run more on software. So uh, while we do have a, a hardware that it runs on, um, it's a Linux-based hardware, uh, but we're actually you know, moving all the functionalities to work more like 
uh, your smartphone works. So your smartphone, uh, you know, has an operating system, although you don't really know it. Um, and then you, you know, pull in different apps to make it do whatever it is you want it to do for whoever you are. So, um, you know, if you're a kid, you might have lots more social media apps and games and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, if you're an adult, you might have, you know, your banking apps or how to get where you're going type apps, uh, those type of things to kind of fit what you need for how you need to use the device. But really, you know, when you're referring to your smartphone, you're, you're talking about a platform rather than you are talking about a piece of hardware. Um, it's, a, it's a piece of hardware in your hand, but it's bringing you lots of different content based on, you know, what you need and what you select. And we've really redesigned the, the industrial controller to follow that concept to where you have a platform um, rather than a specific piece of hardware. Uh, and then you can bring in, you know, different aspects of, of apps and features you know, depending on how you need to use that platform in your application. But in terms of hardware capability, I mean, this would be, this would be hardier, the more, more performance-based than, than, would it be closer to a PAC in, in that? I mean, not, not in its, not in what it's necessarily limited to, or, but I mean, so far as what one could expect it to handle. Yeah. I mean, uh, the idea is that you would, uh, you would scale the hardware to what you need it to do, okay. right? So if you just needed like a couple apps, you might uh, run it on a, you know, a low capability processor or, or a low uh, a processor that doesn't uh, require too much horsepower to run, right? But if you needed lots of features all to run on the same machine or uh, that heavy compute power, then you would size the hardware to meet, you know, the software demands. I see. Uh, so a little, little bit, uh, you know, different than the way we used to do things where you design a piece of hardware uh, to, that has a certain amount of capabilities and then you kind of fill it up with software, you know, up to its limit and then you're done, right? You have, you have a PLC that can only do so much. Uh, and then after that, you have to, you know, change your hardware. Some things that are, are, are similar to that, to where you're still sizing the hardware. Um, but the, <clears throat> the whole idea is to try to take the hardware out of the picture um, and make it all about the different apps and the software that you want to run. Uh, and then the hardware just enables you to do that. There's some different features, different aspects to that to make it a little bit more attractive. So if you can just, you know, pull a random uh, PC or piece of hardware off your shelf and make it run your software no matter what, um, then you're not limited to a specific piece of hardware or a proprietary piece of hardware. You're just finding a processor and some memory that can handle what you want to do with your software. And the software is open enough and flexible enough to run on, you know, different pieces of hardware. So this strikes me as like a, a new direction for Bosch Rexroth over the years, you know, of, of covering the company. I've always sort of positioned it in that sort of muscle layer of the, mm -hmm. uh, of a machine, right. And stuff, the, uh, well, you know, up until a few years ago, the pneumatics, but obviously the hydraulics and the, uh, the electric dry, uh, electric motors and so on and so forth. But now this seems to be a move into the higher functions that, a Beckoff or an Omron or an Alan Bradley might have occupied. Is would that be accurate to say? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely some of the you know reasons we designed it the way we did is to be able to be open enough uh, to be able to pull in functions that uh, Bosch Rexroth doesn't do. Um, you know, so we we're not everything to everybody in the market. So you know, some of the things we're really strong in is you know servo. Uh, drives and motors and motion control. 
um, hydraulics, linear motion components, that sort of thing. Those are things that we have, you know, very well established expertise in and market mm -hmm. presence in. Um, but those aren't the only things that are needed to make a machine work. Uh, so if you are going to design a system, a control design system, you want to make it open enough to be able to pull those aspects into it without creating a lot of headaches for your customer. Uh, so part of making the system open like it is and, and designing a platform rather than um, a proprietary hardware is that it allows us to bring in partners that have other expertise to contribute their software and their applications to our platform and work alongside of it. So some examples to, like that might be um, a vision system. So like we're partnering with um, a vision system called a HD vision, I think is the name uh, in Germany that makes uh, a cameras and vision system software. So they've encapsulated their software uh, in an app format that can run on our system, like directly on our controller and interact with our motion control as well. So Rexroth's never done, you know, vision systems. That's not our bread and butter or what we're even interested in. Uh, but we do do we do motion control, uh, which often requires vision systems. So if we can make our you know platform open enough, uh, we can open uh, invite those partners in and bring that functionality into the overall platform. So the customer has very inter easy integration of other features into you know our system. I think that sort of goes to the, my next question was, I, I've seen it built as the most open platform or open sort of piece of hardware uh, available. How is it, is it that sense of any third party can, knowing the specs, knowing the underlying Linux uh, operating system, or, or they can write to this and, and simply integrate whatever they do into it? That's not something that's available in the market otherwise? Not in industrial control. So we're we're more familiar with it in the IT world. So, you know, your IT department may be rolling out different software features to your computer by rolling out Docker containers or mm. uh, something like that, uh, where they know this set of uh, software will run uh, within a Docker system on any piece of hardware uh, that can run, you know, Docker software, and there that allows them. The ability to roll out software very easily without having to worry about other constraints and dependencies of, you know, the operating system or the uh, hardware that you're actually running it on. So it kind of compartmentalizes what they're doing into uh, just what they need to know, uh, and then the platform allows them to easily deploy that to whatever machine is out in the field or or on the network. So uh, it's kind of the same ideas uh, on our on our platform. So we're running uh, Linux Ubuntu core, which mm. is kind of like a containerized uh, operating system. Uh, so we have lots of these partners that already have their software uh, written and, you know, in uh, quality assurance, they already are very, very confident in how it's going to work. Uh, and they merely have to put that in, you know, the form of uh, like a snap container to run on Ubuntu core and away it goes, you know, so we even have an, a specific app, a, a Docker app, so that those bringing Docker containers that you know aren't native to Linux, uh, they can still run those containers on our system. So hmm. um, tying all that together underneath, uh, we have something called, we call the data layer, which actually ties the uh, machine information to all these other containers uh, on the same controller. So it's basically a REST API that allows the different 
containers or apps uh, to talk to one another over a common platform. So speaking to that, uh, it, I, I did come across the data layer and I, I was just sort of trying to figure out exactly what that is. Is that, I mean, is that analogous? Is it sounds similar to something like OPC UA or MQTT? I mean, is that a different kind of animal altogether? Uh, there's some similarities there. Uh, it's basically a way that you ask another piece of software for information. So uh, again, it's something that's more popular in the IT world. Uh, you know, when you open up a web page, you know, the underlying uh, way it's gathering data is usually from a REST API where it's sending a URL, you know, request to a server and then it's getting back information, right? Gotcha. Uh, so it's kind of the same architecture that's uh, running on the control. And, and you can run the same uh, communication outside the, the control as well. Um, but internally, uh, it's using a REST API to communicate back and forth between one another and the data layer just kind of manages that uh, so that it knows like what data has been exposed or is available from each uh, software component. Um, and then it manages all of the uh, security, like the encryption and the authentication uh, between software applications so that you have a data secure system uh, to exchange information in between. Gotcha. Because I mean, they're they're containerized applications, but they're not they're not information silos. In that, this app only knows what it knows, and it doesn't know what's going on around it. It can interface with all the others. Yeah, the the data layer is what ties that together. So they do like each app does contain its own information, and you do need something to be able to communicate that information back and forth. So rather than you know having the app do that to in, to you know each individual app and having to know what that communication path is, we have this underlying layer called the data layer to manage all that and make it, uh, you could say, make it more generic um, so that anybody bringing their app in will know how to get to data uh, from any other app. So it kind of normalizes the communication path underneath. And there's a standardized way that as part of the uh, software development kit, I guess, or, or yeah. standard and stuff, everybody knows how how to communicate in what format and so on and so forth. Right, right. So we we publish an SDK to help with that. And then, you know, each app, depending on, you know, the data that's in there, uh, you know, we'll publish data to that that data layer, you know, in a different format, depending on what it is. Gotcha. So it might be IO data, or it might be uh, servo motor data. It might be, you know, how to connect to a VPN type data or user information, that sort of thing. Is that fairly new in the industry to go with a, uh, you know, with, with an embedded Linux as opposed to say like a, a Wind River, you know, VxWorks or or uh, what is the Windows 10 IoT embedded? Yeah, or... um, I haven't seen many out there. I mean, there's other people using Linux to do other industrial type things, but not, I haven't found another platform uh, like a machine control platform where a customer would, you know, use it to create a specific application to run a machine. Most of them are, you know, people that are using uh, embedded Linux or something or writing the entire application to, you know, say run like a like a Coke machine or a vending machine or something like that. You know, it's one application. It's always going to be the same. Um, for ours, you know, to create this platform that's open enough to apply to a packaging machine or a machine tool center or a robot, um, I haven't seen really anything like that uh, in the industry yet. Uh, there are, you know, some competitors of ours that are are creating more of an open system like this using Linux or some other similar operating system. 
but they're usually running it beside you know their traditional uh, real-time operating system, just running it on the same controller. So you kind of have like a dual boot type thing, uh, you know, where we're running one OS on one core and another OS on another, and there's a communication layer in between. Um, ours is a little different, where everything's running uh, natively on Linux. And the and the control X cord, I mean, it, it, is that the right way of thinking of control X PLC? Is is sort of a, a software, a virtual PLC, and then yeah, that would be uh, well, we refer to it as a PLC app. So I see. Okay. Um, it's another application. It's the same uh, Codasys engine that we've always run in all our controllers for a good 20, 25 years now. Right. Right. Um, it's just encapsulated in an app, and it runs, you know, on the controller. Communicating to the data data layer to other types of apps. So, another type of app would be OPC UA server. Would be another type of app that man manages the OPC UA communications. Uh, you're pulling data from the data layer and then pushing it out uh, over a network in OPC UA format. But you can do other things like, you know, run apps like an MQTT broker if you wanted to do, you know, communications in that sort of way. Uh, we can run databases directly on the controller. So we have an influx uh, database, which is a, a time series based database uh, that can run directly on the controller. So uh, that's really useful for things like uh, HMIs and um, data collection. So you don't you're not stuck with a proprietary uh, data historian or something like that. That's you know difficult to get data out of. You mm -hmm. just run a standard database uh, right there on the controller. Um, so that again, back to get kind of that platform idea allows you to be really creative and pull in things that uh, weren't necessarily designed for industrial manufacturing, but are very useful to industrial manufacturing. From the field level and stuff, this is this it mainly sort of communicates to that field level through EtherCAT. Is that is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So that's the automation bus that we're using to connect to you know different. Uh, Automation peripherals, whether it's I/O or other, uh, you know, third-party devices that we need to integrate into the system. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and it, I mean, is are other kinds of protocols possible, or is that just just the most popular and the most sort of like a lot of people make EtherCAT kind of field devices, and that just captures the majority of the market without. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a good way to describe it. Um, you know, we started out with uh, EtherCAT just because of the w breadth of uh, peripherals that are available, you know, to be able to integrate into the system. Uh, we uh, have the ability to do Ethernet IP and uh, Profinet as well. Oh, okay. Um, but where we really see uh, or where we're really uh, driving the market is towards uh, TSN and OPC UA. Uh, Rex Ross sits on the board of those. Uh, really driving that uh, specification forward. And we really see that as kind of being the, you know, the future of, of field bus in the industry. Mm. Um, but for now, and until it's available, uh, yeah, EtherCAT's what is our primary uh, field bus that we're using. And so going back to the PLC uh, layer, but this is, this is also a controller for more real-time sort of deterministic kinds of applications mm -hmm. as well, robotics, uh, you know, sophisticated multi-axis kinds of uh, motion control as well. Yeah, yeah. So in order to do, uh, you know, real-time on a Linux system, you need a, a real-time portion of Linux uh, to run that. So obviously, yeah, you need something that will run deterministic to be able to do machine control. So you're 
you know, filling up your database doesn't take away all your uh, resources from your processor and now your machine doesn't run, right? You have to solve right. that problem right. within. So uh, Linux has uh, something called a real-time preempt. Uh, they call it a patch, um, but it's just the way that you do real-time control uh, within Linux. Um, again, that's something you know that's outside of Rexroth. We're just making uh, use of. It's widely used within uh, different industries to be able to do you know deterministic things where it's needed. Uh, but yeah, that component's built in to be able to handle um, that part of the, the machine control. I I, I want to make sure that we we address. I mean that it, mm -hmm. it's it can do all kinds of things. It's not just a PLC. It's not just a motion controller. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the real-time kernel, in, I think, in Linux has been around for quite a while. So I think that's been sort of pounded on and, and uh, shaped and, and fortified for a long time. Because, I mean, the, the great the thing that's kept the PLC the sort of the king, the center point, is just that it's a simple piece of hardware that just keeps going no matter what. And uh, yeah. I don't know to what extent the IPC has been sort of held back by, you know, is it going to be as reliable as a PLC? And maybe that's where the pack kind of filled in the gap between the two is, I don't know. Yeah. How it connects to the other parts. Now, uh, the Control-X core is sort of the center point of the larger Control-X automation uh, ecosystem. So there is an, a Control-X IO unit, mm -hmm. um, and there are the drive units that pair with it for that sort of deterministic uh, uh, motion control component. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I saw something in in the sort of background material. It can either be drive based or controller based. Is that am I saying that correctly? Right. Yes. So we talked to uh, you know right at the beginning of our talk about yeah. you know running things uh, not so hardware dependent. So um, we've always done drive based control, and then you know your typical brick controller uh, running pretty much the same software. Um, this is pretty much the same thing where we we just take the card out of the Control-X core uh, standalone hardware and put it in a drive. Um, and then it, you know, runs exactly the same way. You know, kind of that idea of really you just need a processor that can run, you know, the Linux operating system uh, and the memory, you know, to stand behind it, a network connection, and, and pretty much you've solved, you know, 90% of what you need to solve uh, to run the software. Ubuntu core is a very... Uh, low footprint operating system. So you don't need a lot of resources to run it. Um, if you, you know, compared it size wise, so to speak, uh, against something like Windows I IoT, yeah. uh, it's maybe like a 10th of the size, something like that. Um, so it's a very compact operating system that allows us to, you know, be very flexible with the hardware we're are actually going to run it on. Yeah. I know it also has a very long-term sort of support uh, mm -hmm. windows. I think, you know, when they come out with an LTS for regular Ubuntu, it's usually five to 10 years, something like that, that they support yeah, uh, 10 each, years. Yeah. yeah, every major version uh, that they mm -hmm. come out with. So that's, that's kind of reassuring in that, in that yeah. respect. And there are lots of, I mean, they don't, they don't get, it's not a rolling release where they're updating it constantly, but they're, but they do sort of, have major kind of uh, yeah. updates. So how do the different, I mean, how dependent are they on each other to get the benefit of the whole thing? If I'm running a, a plan and I'm, I'm, and I have this control X core in this function, is it really important to have the drive and the IO and the, the other components that we'll get to, or does it play nicely with everybody? 
Yeah, the, the modularity of it really opens up the, the, the physical hardware to be just about anything. So if you just wanted it to be an HMI, uh, we have partners that create uh, HMI software that run um, basically like web-based HMIs. So they're running a web server on our controller and you just dial into the IP address of our controller and, and display it on a, on a web browser. You know, so th the same hardware that could be, uh, you know, a multiple robot controller could just be an HMI if you wanted it to. You just mm. don't add the PLC to it and you don't add the motion to it. You just add HMI to it and maybe, you know, OPC UA. So in that case, you take, you know, our hardware, uh, add OPC UA app and the HMI app and you have an HMI system. Um, you could take the same hardware and, you know, start empty and just add the VPN app to it. And then you have, uh, you know, a VPN net, uh, network device to connect your local, uh, your local machine network up to a plant network and have to have it just be a VPN in between. Um, again, you know, same piece of hardware, just not running any machine control apps on it. Interesting things you can do. It even gets down to like if you just wanted uh, to bring I/O into the system and not run the PLC, and make it like an IoT type device uh, where I'm just collecting I/O data and storing it in a database and using visualization. Uh, you don't even need the PLC app to do that. Uh, PLC is just for you know logic control and writing programming and that sort of thing. Kind of separated it from the I/O configuration so that you could bring IO into the system, but do things with it without the PLC. It's kind of that modularity feature of it that allows you to kind of mix and match all these different components that, you know, used to be part of this giant firmware pack that you, you put on a, 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 a single controller. Now you can kind of split it out and just use whatever you need and really make the hardware uh, do whatever it is you want for your application. Thank you for listening to part one of this series on Bosch Rexroth's ControlX platform. In part two, Alan will explore how ControlX Core fits into the company's larger ControlX automation ecosystem, as well as how the controller can serve as a first step towards an IIoT digital transformation. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please subscribe to the Design Engineering Podcast or check out the podcast tab on our website, www.design dash engineering.com for new episodes. Also, if there's a specific topic you'd like us to cover, please let me know. Send your request to my email address, mmcleod at design dash engineering.com. And finally, this episode was brought to you by Masumi, your one-stop shop for Industry 4.0 electrical components. Configure your components at masumiusa.com.